Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. Father, we just thank you for today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for bringing us together as a part of this vision, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Father God, for your word. We open our hearts to receive what you have for us today, Lord God. We know that it's going to bring freedom, and it's going to bring empowerment. It's going to bring healing. And, Lord, we're grateful for it, and we just give you the praise and the honor and the glory for that now before we even begin. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, hallelujah. All right, so um, let's see here. Let me make sure I'm looking at my clock. <laughs> praise God. All right, so, you know, Pastor Carrick has declared the month of July to be a month of miracles. And the theme, so to speak, for lack of a better term, for the summer is prayer. Okay, and so he's going to be, we're going to be emphasizing the importance of prayer. All right, so I want to come to you guys today. What was in my heart to minister to you today is confidence in prayer. Because, see, there's a lot to pray for. <laughs> Amen. And as we get closer to the return of Jesus, man, we're going to really have to be people of prayer. People need your prayers. The world needs our prayers. This nation needs our prayers. Your family needs your prayers. Amen. You need to pray for yourself. But it don't make no sense to pray if you don't even have confidence that your prayers are effective or that they are even making a difference. And God wants you to be confident that when you pray as a born-again believer, it brings results every time you pray. Amen. And so we want to come, we want to take a look at that today. And so uh, let's go to James chapter 5, and let's look at verse 16. James chapter 5 and verse 16, and we'll start right here. James chapter 5 and verse 16. All right. We good? Y'all see it on the screens? Is it up on the screen? Not yet? Amen. <laughs> I just want to make sure. I, I like for everybody to put their eyes on the word. Amen. I know you got probably on your, but maybe if somebody is watching online, they really need to be able to follow this. So it says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And then the second part of that verse says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now that word effectual fervent, those two words is one Greek word that means to be operative, to be at work, to be active. It simply means heartfelt prayer, okay? 
This isn't a, and pastors say this all the time, this isn't a God bless them prayer. No, this is a prayer that comes from your heart, okay? And so I like how the Amplify renders that verse. It says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man, look, makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Now, this the interesting thing about this verse is there is an individual that qualifies for this verse to be. And he said the individual that qualifies for this is a righteous man or woman. Okay? So, and then after that, if you keep reading in verse 17 and 18, he gives an example of this. He shows you an, a righteous man who got results when he prayed. So if you keep reading, it says this, Elijah, that word Elias there in, in King James is talking about the prophet Elijah. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth fruit. Okay, so Elijah the prophet is an example of a righteous man that prayed and got tremendous results. Now, when I say confidence in prayer, guys, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you're uh, looking to yourself or something like that. I'm saying having confidence that your prayers get results, that God hears your prayers, that your prayers are effective, okay? And so he gives an example of the prophet Elijah. This man prayed. His prayers were so effective that it affected the weather. For three and a half years, he prayed that it not rain, and it didn't. For three and a half years, then he prayed again, and the heavens opened up, and it rained. So this man's prayers affected, this is how effective his, his prayers were. Now here's the tripped out thing you need to understand. This prophet, Elijah, clearly he was a righteous man. That's why James is using him as an example. But here's the interesting thing. <laughs> The prophet Elijah was not as righteous as you are. <laughs> I'm tripping some people out right now. Elijah the prophet was not as righteous as you are as a born-again believer. Let me, okay, let me put it like this because I need to get y'all attention. So what I like to do, guys, is I like to just tell you the truth and then show it to you in the Word. Okay, okay, because that way I know I got your attention. So let me put it to you like this. Maybe this will get some people attention. On your worst day as a born-again believer, you're more righteous than Elijah was on his best day. At your worst as a born-again believer, you're more righteous in the sight of God than the prophet Elijah was at his best. 
and look at the results he got when he prayed. Amen. So let's do this. Let's look in the word. Or y'all run me up out of here. Like this dude, this is heresy. <laughs> Go to Romans chapter 1. Go to Romans chapter 1. And let's look at verse 16. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Now here's the reason as you guys turn there. Elijah had the righteousness of the law. Okay? But you as a born again believer have the righteousness of God. So the righteousness of, righteousness of the law, let me just explain that. So the law, when it says the law, when I say the law, I'm talking about the law of Moses. So the law of Moses was a covenant that God cut with Israel. And that covenant consisted of 613 commandments. And it included the Ten Commandments that we're more familiar with. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not commit adultery, so on and so forth, right? And so that covenant was all about Israel's obedience to keep those commandments. Amen. And so that is the covenant that the prophet Elijah was under, and that was the covenant that God was relating to him through. So he kept this covenant as best he could. Nobody kept it perfectly. And so from that, he had the righteousness of the law. But in other words, it was a righteousness that was based on Elijah's performance. It was a performance-based righteousness. Okay? But we have the righteousness of God that's based on Jesus' performance. Now, right away, when you say righteousness of God, immediately you should see and understand that this righteousness is flawless. It's absolutely perfect. Okay? Go to, y'all at Romans 16? I mean, Romans 1, verse 16. So this is Paul speaking. Um, and, and before I even read this, y'all need to, whenever you read the book of Romans, read it with this understanding. I guarantee, if you read it with this understanding, revelation going to start flowing to you like never before. Romans is Paul's masterpiece, his dissertation on the gospel. Okay, so it's a very scholarly approach. It's a spirit-filled approach, but very scholarly approach to the gospel okay I'll explain that more in a minute so he said here for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek amen and so the the word gospel I gotta say this y'all the word gospel doesn't mean to us today what it did to Paul. What I mean by that is we hear the word gospel all the time, okay? Um, it's attached to anything that got to do with Christianity. Gospel music, um, everybody says that they're preaching the gospel. And, but in the day that Paul said it, though, it was a very radical term. And so the reason is that the Greek word that they translated gospel, it means good news, okay? But really, 
the, the, the form of the Greek word that they use means news that's almost too good to be true. Okay? And so the reason that, so let me say this. That word was actually rarely found in secular Greek literature of the day. It was rarely found in secular Greek literature of that day. And the reason is because there's almost nothing that's too good to be true. In fact, if something sounds too good to be true, it usually is, right? But in this case, it is true. Amen. And so it was such a radical word that Paul had to say he's not ashamed of it. And it was radical to the religious order of the day. And so Paul had to be bold in proclaiming this good news because it was radical. So he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So this gospel, this news that's almost too good to be true is the dunamis power of of God. Don't worry, y'all. Just um, stay with me. I'm still, we still talking about prayer. Trust me. I'm going to get back to it, and I'm going to tie all of this in. So this news that's almost too good to be true is the, the dunamis dynamite power of God unto salvation. Now, the word salvation there is not just talking about going to heaven when you die, although it does include that. Salvation here is a right here term, too. And it means deliverance, it means healing, it means safety, it means soundness, it means wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. And he said this good news will release power to cause you to experience d deliverance, health, safety, wholeness, whatever it is that you need. That's what he's saying. This gospel, this good news is the power of God unto that. Okay? Now, he says something very interesting in the next verse. He said, for therein is the righteousness of who? The righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. So he just said the good news <laughs> is the power of God unto salvation. And the reason is, he's saying in verse 17, here's the reason. Because in this good news message is the revelation of righteousness. It contains the revelation of God's righteousness. Do y'all see that? Okay, so what, he's gonna, what we're going to find out specifically is that it contains in this good news the revelation of how God is making human beings just as righteous as he is. This is amazing stuff. God is making people just as righteous as him. And the gospel contains that revelation. And listen, what Paul is trying to show us is there is something about you receiving this revelation 
that will cause you to walk in deliverance and health and safety and soundness and all of God's promises. Something about you getting a revelation of how righteous you are. And do you, do you think that that's not going to feed over into your prayer life? You walking in the revelation of this is going to feed right over into your prayer life. God wants you to know that your prayers are going to be at least as effective as, a, as the prophet Elijah. At least. <laughs> at least as effective as Elijah the prophet's prayers were. But it's going to require you to believe this, though. If you don't believe it, he said to all that believes it. Some people won't believe this. Amen. So anyway, let's go ahead and uh, let's see. Go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 and verse 19. Romans 3, 19. All right. Romans 3, 19. So in the rest of Romans chapter 1, all the way through the first half of Romans chapter 3, after Paul makes this awesome statement in verses 16 and 17, now he's going to give you the condition of man, okay? And um, the, the, the Gentiles, he's going to show their condition. And then as you keep reading through chapter 2 and all the way through the first half of chapter 3, he's going to show the Jewish people condition, like the Gentiles. In other words, the religious people that know God and the people that don't know God. And what he's doing is he's showing you everybody's need for righteousness, okay? And then by the time you get to the second half of chapter 3, he's going to show you how God, through Jesus, fixed the issue and how God now is able to make people just as righteous as he is because of what Jesus did. Okay, so look at verse 19. He said, now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Now he just, he's summarizing that because in uh, the uh, second part of uh, Romans chapter one, he showed that the Gentiles were guilty in the sight of God. Now he showed from chapter 2 to the, through the first half of chapter 3 that so are the Jews. They guilty too, okay? And then by the time he get to verse 19, he say everybody guilty <laughs> before God. Amen. And so then he said in verse 20, look what he says. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And then verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. But let me look at, look at verse 20, guys. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in the sight. So what God is saying right here in this verse is, now that Jesus has come and finished the work of redemption, he's not accepting any righteousness. 
He's not accepting anybody's righteousness that's based on their performance. That's what he's saying. By your performance, nobody going to be right with God. It can't happen is what he's saying. At your best, listen, if you're trusting in yourself to be right with God, at your best behavior, you can't do it. That's what he's saying. What is he trying to do? He's trying to show you there's no getting around Jesus. You can't get around Jesus. It can't happen. Amen. So look at verse, uh, <clears throat> so verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe. Now what this is saying is when Jesus came to this earth, as he carried out his ministry, as he walked in perfect obedience to God, and as he finished the work of redemption and everything that was required of him, from birth all the way up to his resurrection, every, everything Jesus did, as he carried these things out, he had faith that what he would do would usher in this perfect righteousness. That's what it's saying. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all. So once Jesus finished the work, then righteousness became available to everybody. Okay? And then it says, and upon all, verse 22, and upon all them that believe. So Jesus' obedience made righteous av righteousness available to everybody, but the minute you believe it, it comes upon you. You see that? I remember uh, we were, uh, me and my family, we were, uh, we spent some time in St. Simon's Island for Memorial Day. We just went out there for a few days, had us a great time, and we were on the beach and uh, we got out into the Atlantic and just was, you know, having fun and everything. And this guy, this gentleman and his daughter was out there. His daughter was probably like eight years old. The guy probably was in his 40s, something. And so he befriended us out in the water and just started t talking to us. And he was from there. And he was just, man, just educating us on St. Simon's and I mean, the water, and I mean, y'all, this man was so full of information. It was so interesting because he was telling us about the sharks that come and spawn over there and all this and what happens at this time and the tide. And I mean, it was just, I was like, man, you know. And so as he was talking to us, I always be searching my heart for utterance to see if this is some type of door of utterance that God want me to share the gospel with this guy and um as we was talking and everything then sure enough the lord gave me something to say and uh i i said what he gave me to say i think i said something like you know it's just amazing how god causes all this to work together that's what i so i told the guy now i gotta tell you i was a little intimidated because he was so full of knowledge 
You know what I'm saying? And these people usually seem to be very confident. And you know what I mean? And he seemed like an earthy type of dude. Like, yeah, right on. Let's get it, dude. And, you know, that type of guy. <laughs> he was like that type of a dude. And I'm like, man, I don't even know if he going to be able to. But anyway, so I said that. <laughs> and so it, the conversation just went in the direction God knew it would. And I asked the guy, I said, so do you go to any church down here, man? Or, you know, da-da-da-da-da. He was like, and he told me that in so many words, as he started talking, he was just, he felt unworthy to go to church or whatever. So I started ministering to him, and I shared the gospel with the guy. And I led him to the Lord, y'all, right here in the Atlantic Ocean, like waist deep standing in the water amen praise god the man i didn't expect him to respond the way he did but you know what it's like the words say they're not going to be able to resist the spirit so don't worry about being afraid to share the gospel with nobody okay so he humbled himself he i led him to the lord and i told him what i'm telling y'all right now because I was telling them, you know, get involved in the church. I gave them our information and everything. And I told them, man, listen, it ain't about you and your performance, okay? I said, the word teaches that anytime you, um, anybody that believes the gospel and receives Jesus into their heart like you just did, I said, the word teaches that immediately God imputes his righteousness to them. And from that second forward, God sees you just as righteous as Jesus is in spite of your flaws. That dude was like, Whew. he was like, man, I feel like, he's like, I feel like something just lifted up off of me, man. And I was like, that's the anointing. I said, the anointing of God, the Bible says, is the, the yoke-removing, burden-destroying power of God. And when you heard the good news, the anointing caused that yoke of condemnation and guilt to lift up off of you. And that man grabbed me and hugged me, thanking me for sharing that with him. You know what I'm saying? That's how grateful this man was that I shared the good news that y'all hearing with him. Amen. So this is, this is what God is trying to show us. So where am I at? I'm in verse uh, 22. So look, so Jesus had faith that he would usher this in. So go to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. And then I got to get moving. I'm losing time here. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. I just want to show you guys that real quick. Daniel chapter 9, in verse 24, this is a prophecy about the Mashiach, the Messiah, Jesus. Okay? So, Daniel, it says this, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in, look at this, 
everlasting righteousness. So what is that talking about? Everlasting righteousness got to be talking about the righteousness of God. And then you'll see in the next verse, he's talking about the Messiah. Okay? And so the Messiah is going to usher in everlasting righteousness. Amen. This is not a fragile righteousness. And then in Isaiah 54, 17, he talks about it. God said, look at that real quick, Isaiah 54, 17. Isaiah chapter 54 and 17. The prophets are prophesying of this. They didn't have this. So look at God speaking through the prophet. In verse 17, he said, No weapon that is formed against thee, that's you, shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage or inheritance of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of who? Of me, God said. Their righteousness is coming from me. It's not coming from them keeping the law. It's coming from me. Amen. And if you guys understand this, Isaiah 53, read this in your own time, but Isaiah 53 is a very descriptive prophetic account of Jesus and his finished work. Isaiah 54 is God the Father speaking in response to what Jesus has finished. And he makes that statement in verse 17. Always read that uh, Isaiah 53 and 54 with that understanding, okay? All right, so Romans 5.19, go to Romans 5.19. Romans 5.19, is it okay if I teach today? Amen. Let's see. So Romans 5.19. So we're going to talk, we're talking about approaching prayer from the place of identity. From the place of identity. Look at this. Romans 5:19 For as by one man's disobedience many were made what so by the obedience of how many shall many be made what so you were a sinner when you got born okay you were born in the sin not even because of nothing you did y'all see that did you see that you were a sinner in the sight of God and it wasn't because of nothing you did y'all see that Okay, so he says, so also in the same way, by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. So when you got born again, now you were born into righteousness. So in other words, it wasn't even because of nothing you did. It's because of what Jesus did. Amen. And so now when now that you're born again, you are in righteousness. And as pastor always says, righteousness is your standing in God. Amen. And it's also your identity in his sight. So no matter how much good a sinner did, no matter how much good a sinner does, they can't be right with God. Their good actions and good behavior cannot produce God's righteousness, right? The only way they could be made right with God is to put faith in what Jesus did. I don't care how good they are. 
they will be a good person in hell if they reject the gospel. Amen? And so the same way, once you are born again, this is the justice of God, y'all. Once you're born again, no matter how bad you mess up, you still right with God. Do you see that? It can't be that way on one side, but not that way on the other side. This is the justice of God. It can't change your identity. Now, I'm not trying to encourage people, listen, if you got issues, you need to change. You need to repent. You need to go in the other direction. So this isn't to empower people not to repent and not to change or none of that. What it's doing is empowering you that you can. No matter how bad you done messed up, no matter how many times you done messed up, you can turn because it doesn't change who you are ever. Amen? All right, so let's look at this. Uh, let's look at uh, Romans chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse one, two, uh, run, 1 through 3. Romans chapter 4, 1 through 3. And this is about Abraham. Now, guys, Abraham is a picture of us, okay? Abraham is a picture of us. It says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 18 that the Scripture foresaw that God would justify the heathen through faith, okay? So Abraham... God uh, preached the gospel to Abraham, and he believed it. And God counted him righteous just because he believed. Look at verse 1 through 3. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, have found? For if Abraham were justified by works or his actions, he hath whereof to glory. But look at this. Not before God, though. He can glory in our sight. His actions might make him look good to us. But God know his heart. He see whether a person has been born again or not, or whether somebody is righteous or not. So it says, for if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness, period. He just believed God. God said, you righteous. <laughs> just that simple now if you read the life of Abraham you will see that it was not his performance that made him righteous it just wasn't amen you it just no <laughs> it just was not based on his performance if you read Genesis 12 verse 1 through 5 God told him to do something he didn't fully obey God you know he partially obeyed and then he lied twice to save his own backside. Listen to this, guys. <laughs> this man <laughs> was willing to let another dude have his wife to save himself. I'm telling you, read it in your own time. We don't have time to go here. But if you read Genesis 12, verse 10 through 20, and then Genesis 20, verse 1 through 16 go home and read it yourself you will see this dude is doing this to save himself like he ain't even thinking about Sarah I'm just saying I'm, I look I'm not I'm not picking on Abraham I'm just telling you that his righteousness was not based on his performance y'all 
Okay, so he, this is what he did. So look, um, here's something else that's interesting. Actually, go to Genesis chapter 20. I'm going to show y'all something there. Genesis chapter 20. Now, he lied to Pharaoh in Genesis 12, same type of deal. And then he lied to Abimelech in Genesis 20, what we're going to look at here. I just want to show y'all a couple of things here. But just so you guys can understand something. So he lied to Pharaoh the first time. And Pharaoh entreated this dude with riches, with like camels and silver and all of that. And, and God came to Pharaoh rebuking Pharaoh for Abraham's lie. <laughs> like it just, you can't find God saying nothing to Abraham. He was just like, this is my guy right here. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? But that was his covenant. He had a covenant with God. That's all God knew. He, this my covenant man. You a dead man. But he, he the one that said, what you, why are you telling me? What? You a dead man. That's all God cares. Man, and this is a picture of your relationship with God. Man, I'm telling you so. Anyway, <laughs> so this man, so look at this. So he, he gave, so Pharaoh gave this dude a bunch of stuff and said, man, get out of here. And Abraham took it, left. So let me ask y'all this. If I <laughs> let a guy have my wife and the dude gave me some money, what would that sound like to y'all that I did, huh? I pimped her. <laughs> I'm, amen. <laughs> I'm just saying, y'all, this is crazy stuff, man. This is deep. So anyway, so it happened then, and then it happened again with Abimelech. And Abimelech did the same thing, just gave this dude a bunch of stuff again. And so, let's see, uh, uh, where am I at? Genesis 20, and let's look at verse 7. Verse 7. Uh, da, 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 da. So God visited Abimelech and, and really, you know, gave it to this dude, like threatened him, basically. And then look at what God said to Abimelech in verse 7, because we're talking about prayer. Now, therefore, restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. He talk, this is God talking to Abimelech. Restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall what? Pray for thee. So what happened was God struck Abimelech's house and made all of the women barren. They couldn't conceive because of Abraham, because he took Sarah in. The judgment of God hit that dude's house. And the women wasn't able to bear kids. And so God telling them right now, he a prophet. He going to pray for you, and you going to live. If you restore her not, know that thou shalt surely die. You and everybody with you. That's what God told him. <laughs> so Abimelech was like, man, I, look. I'm about to, whatever you need me to do. Jump down to verse 17. So look at Abraham, this righteous man. <laughs> it 
So Abraham did what? He prayed to God, and what God do? <laughs> God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maid servants, and they bear children. This dude with these issues having effective prayer. God is just trying to show y'all, man, as the righteousness of God, you don't have to wait until you don't have any issues to expect your prayers to have effect. Amen. He wants you to pray now. Amen. He know how to work on you. He promised he going to finish the work he started in you. Amen. All right, so let's see. 18. So anyway, then in uh, Genesis 18, 16 through 33, we see Abraham interceding for Sodom because they iniquity had just come up to God and it was he, you know, he about to pour out judgment on these, on Sodom and Gomorrah. So Abraham started interceding for him and saying, Lord, if it's 50 righteous in there, will you spare? And God just hearing them, just like, yeah, I'll spare if it's 50 there. Just talking to Abraham. <laughs> like just not just overlooking all his flaws and just communing with the dude. And Abraham is going through just talking to God, and he got all the way down to 10 righteous. And God said, I'll spare for 10, Abraham. You know? And so Abraham stopped right there for some reason. The implication is if he would have kept going, I don't know. <laughs> if he would have went down to one, God might have been like, okay. You know, and but that still would have left Lot. He was a righteous man in there. And so, but we know what God did. He took Lot up out of there and then judged those cities. Amen. And so I'm just trying to show you the prayers of this righteous man that we saw was justified by faith apart from his actions. That man's prayers produced tremendous power and got tremendous results. Abraham's prayers did. Amen? Y'all see that? So the same is true with us. We've been made right with God by faith, apart from our works. Go to Romans 4 again, Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Maybe I have time to show you something else in here about how righteousness works because it's sobering. It's a sobering revelation. This is why Paul had to say he not ashamed of it because people misconstrue what he's saying. Like, this dude, this, what are you saying, man? Like, people can just go live any kind of way they want to. That's what it sounded like to people. Okay, so when you're hearing that and it make you wonder that, you're hearing the true gospel. That's what the revelation of the gospel will make your carnal mind think is being said, but of course that's not. Amen. So anyway, look, uh, Romans chapter 4, let's look at verse 4 through 8. It says this, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believes on him that justifies who? The ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man. Now watch as we continue to read this. Watch what God does impute to a believer 
and watch what he does not impute to the believer. Look, now to him that, okay, I'm sorry, verse 5. Uh, to him that worketh not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Verse 6, even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man, look, unto whom God imputeth what? Righteousness without works or without actions. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. That's you. And whose sins are covered. That word covered means paid for, okay? Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven or whose sins are paid for. Now, we saw God imputes righteousness. Look at this, verse 8. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute what? So God imputes righteousness to the believer, but he will not impute sin to the believer. Now, that word will not in the Greek is what they call a double negative. And it means that this is something that will never by any means ever happen. It's the same Greek word used elsewhere in Scripture when it says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. This will not happen by any means, even if you deserve him to is what God is trying to show us. And the reason isn't because somehow God has grown light on sin and he just wants you to just do whatever you want, live however you want. No, the reason is because God already imputed all of your sin on Jesus at the cross. And he's not going to do that to Jesus and turn around and do it to you. It's already finished. And so that's why he's saying he, it just will not happen. Again, does this mean that you need to just go live foolishly? No. Because if you do that, you still going to reap what you sow. You and God will still be good. You know, it'll never change God's heart towards you. But it'll change your heart towards God. What has pastor told us? A hard heart is the worst thing ever. You know what I'm saying? And that's what sin will do to you. But in terms of how God sees you, it's like Abraham. You go to pray to God, yeah, what you need, son? You know? And it's not that he's not, it's not, God will still say, son, you know what you did. That's, you know that ain't being a blessing to you. You know that's going to cause you problems. I'm telling you, let me help you with that. He's still going to chasten you. Okay, but what I'm saying is we got to get out of this mindset of <laughs> we got to get our act together before we could pray to God. God is working in you, man. He just wants you to pray now, now. It's time for you to pray now. And he wants your prayer. He wants you to know that your prayers have power. So. You know, let's go to uh, Acts chapter 10. This isn't in my notes, but I want to show you something about this. Actually, go to Romans 10. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 10. I want, you to, I want to show you guys something about righteousness. I want to show you that it goes hand in hand with being saved. So when you got saved, you were made righteous, just like I told that guy down at St. Simon's. Just like I told him, that's true of you if you're born again. When you got saved, righteousness came right with it. 
Now look at uh, Romans 10, verse 1. So Paul is talking here. Again, this is still his dissertation on the gospel that contains the revelation of righteousness. So Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, he said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be what? Saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And here's why in verse 3. For they being ignorant of, look at this, God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Amen. And so when he say they're going about to establish their own righteousness, they're trying to be made right with God through their obedience to God's commandments in the law. And like I said before, he's not accepting that. God ain't accepting that as a means of being right with him. Not since Jesus has come and finished the work of redemption. Okay? So he's saying that they're going about to establish their own righteousness through their performance. And he said in doing so, they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. And then verse 4, look what it says. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Christ is the end of your performance to be right with God. To everybody that believes. Amen. Jump down to, now this is what the gospel is revealing. Jump down to uh, verse uh, 13. Actually, I'm sorry, verse, verse 9, verse 9 and 10. Look at this. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be what? And then verse 10, for with the heart man believes unto what? Righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you were made perfectly righteous at the exact same time you got saved. And then it says, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The, but the same, is, same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. And then it says in verse 14, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a what? And how shall they preach except they be what? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the what? The gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So a preacher has to be sent in order for you to hear this good news that contains the revelation of God's righteousness. Y'all see that? Now look at this. Go to Acts chapter 10. Let me show you something about an individual. Acts chapter 10 and verse 1. I want to show you a man called, um, what's his name? What's his name? Cornelius. And he was an Italian man. He's the first Gentile, him and his wife, I mean him and his family, rather, to be saved. They didn't think that it was for Gentiles before this. And so I want to show you something. So I, I, I'm going to summarize this and say this. Cornelius, God had this man, this Gentile, send for Peter to come to his house. God sent Peter, remember what we just read in Romans 10, with the message of the gospel because he wanted Cornelius to hear the gospel. 
so that Cornelius can believe the gospel and so that Cornelius can be saved, okay? So this is what happened in, in Acts 10. You guys read it on your own. But I want you to see something that is deep, y'all, about Cornelius. So look at verse 1 and 2. There was a man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Look at this, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. You see that? This man was a devout man. That word devout means godly. He was a godly man, and he feared God with all his house. And he gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. This man was godly. He walked in the fear of God. He had a prayer life, and he was a giver. If you and I were to see Cornelius, we would assume he saved, wouldn't we? I mean, think about that. This dude, I wouldn't even think that he wasn't saved, but he was, he was not saved. This is what it says before he sent for Peter about Cornelius. It said that about him before he sent for Peter. So what am I trying to say here? So when Peter came with the gospel, he, he said that, look at verse, jump down to verse, uh, verse. So Peter is, is, is sharing the gospel with him, and then he said this. Uh, da, 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 da. Let's see. Verse. Okay, I'm trying to find where it says. All right, here it is right here. It says that whosoever, verse 43, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Okay, so Cornelius, this is, so he shares the gospel with Cornelius. Cornelius believes in all his house, and they get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. So I want to ask you guys something about this. What if Cornelius rejected the message? What, what would be about Cornelius? Just say Peter came with the gospel and he didn't believe it. Cornelius would have went to hell. If he had taken his last breath, having not believed on Jesus, this godly man that feared God with all his house, that had a prayer life and was a giver, would have went to hell. So what I'm trying to say is Cornelius, even though he was a godly man, he feared God with all his house, he was a giver, he wasn't right with God because he wasn't saved. That's amazing. That's amazing. So what I'm trying to show you guys is it's not works or your goodness that makes you right with God. It's the goodness of God that makes you right with him. Amen. And the more you renew your mind to who you are, then he'll begin to change you from the inside out. 
and you'll begin to look more like Jesus. Amen. So I'm just trying to encourage you guys in this, that when you're praying, you're standing in the righteousness, which is by faith, which means that you could expect your prayers to be effective. Look at Philippians chapter 3, and let's look at verse 3 and 9, 3 through 9, and we'll close here. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 3 through 9. I just wanted to show you guys that about Cornelius, so you guys can get a picture of what this looks like. Verses 3 through 9, Philippians chapter 3, verse 3 through 9. This is Paul talking again. So he said, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law. Look, blameless. <laughs> blameless touching the righteousness, righteousness in the law. But, those, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law or which is based on my performance, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul said that I would rather have God's righteousness than the best righteousness that my best performance could ever produce. I would rather have his righteousness any day over righteousness that's based on my performance. Y'all see that? And so the reason is, is because God's righteousness is perfect. See, we thought that righteousness was just something that didn't mean much. But yet the Bible got a whole lot to say about it. I can't see the Bible having a whole lot to say about something that don't mean much. Amen. And it's like I could have went a whole lot of places in this message, y'all, because the Bible has a lot to say about it. It's speaking to your identity in Christ Jesus. And you are who you are in Christ every single day. What does the word say about Jesus? Because the scripture says, as he is, so are we where? In this world. Not so we can be. Not so shall we be in the world to come. Right now, you are just like Jesus. That's what God said. Amen. And so what does the word say about Jesus? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means that now that you're in Christ, your spiritual condition in Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. As long as your faith is steadfast in him. Amen. And so God wants you to know that. And so I wonder why did James use the example of 
Elijah then. Let's look at something Jesus said in Luke chapter 7. And we about to close. Luke chapter 7. In verse 28. This is Jesus talking about you too. All right. So James used the example of the prophet Elijah. And I think what God was doing through the Holy Spirit and leading the apostle James to, to write that is to show it was to encourage you that this man who was not as righteous as you are got these kind of, his prayers was this effective. So he wants you to know, man, your prayers, if he got these kind of results when he prayed, what kind of results should you expect to get? This is the month for miracles, y'all. Expect miraculous results when you pray. Look at what Jesus said. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. So he just said John the Baptist was a greater prophet than the prophet Elijah, who prayed for it not to rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and it rained again. <laughs> he said John the Baptist was a greater prophet than him. And then he, look what he said the rest of the verse. But he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. What is Jesus saying? So he's talking about you and me. It says that when we got saved, we were delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Amen. And so he's saying that if you're the lousiest Christian <laughs> that has ever lived, you greater than Elijah was. That's what Jesus is saying. Why? Because you have his identity. Because he, he has given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You have the Holy Ghost living and abiding in you and upon you. And he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. You have something that the prophets didn't have. You have something Elijah didn't have. The grace of God has given you things that they could only dream of. In fact, it says that the prophets just, they looked and just longed for the grace that's been given to you. Amen. And so the Holy Ghost through James is trying to show you, look, man, look at his prayers. This man who was under an inferior covenant. This man who wasn't even as righteous as you are. Look at the results of his prayers. How much greater should you expect to receive results to your prayer? It's time for us to pray, y'all. It's time for the body of Christ to take our place in prayer. The world is in darkness, man. They need us. They need us to be interceding for them and standing in the gap. And, oh, man, glory to God. Stand to your feet. Glory to God. Hallelujah.